You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, the mailbag edition, and uh, full swing of training camp. The Chiefs have a game this week. Very excited about that. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts on this show. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what you got for us today? <laughs> so instead of begging everybody for more five-star reviews this week, I thought it would be time to share a five-star review that came with the question. I always promise people that if they send in five-star reviews with questions, that we'll read them out loud on the podcast. If this one goes out to Swanson's Bouffant. Five-star review <laughs> on favorite iTunes. Favorite name, favorite name. This is definitely the best name, but it says, if Sammy Watkins has a monster season, is there any way that he could have enough trade value at his 2020 salary that the Chiefs could flip him for a draft pick? There's no way the Chiefs can have five players in the top 50 salary on their roster with Clark, Watkins, Mahomes, Jones, and Hill. Oh, no, I, I don't think I don't think they can trade. Sammy Watkins' contract at that figure. Um, he's going to have to play like Julio. And he's going to have a good year, but I don't even think the volume is going to be there for him to play like Julio. And even then, I still think it might be a challenge. That being said, maybe they can restructure him, keep him around a little bit longer if he has success. Because I really like Sammy Watkins. I like what he brings to this offense. And he could be a fun ad. His cap hits $21 million, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Correct. Nobody's so they, trading for anybody not named Aaron Donald that's not a quarterback for $21 million. He'd have not, to play like Julio. It would, it's, it's just, I don't think it's particularly reasonable. Um, real quick, Maddie, we're, we're going to get into Maddie's game. Oh, wait, actually, wait, Maddie, maybe you should introduce Craig because you always introduce Craig. Sorry. We are also joined by my fellow friend that I would <laughs> never, ever forget to introduce <laughs> on a live podcast. He started talking already. Barley Hop on Twitter, Craig Stout, the most handsome man at Chiefs training camp this past weekend. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, that's not true. BJ Kissel was there and Chief Bearcat was there. So that definitely not the case. Wow, that I strong was slander towards Pete. No, no, Pete's up there, his darkness. Like we we had a plethora of handsome people, and that's just the people that I knew. So yeah, no, we Kate Gumminger was there. Like I mean, lots of people that were handsome fellows. Anyway, yeah. Hi guys, how's everybody doing? We uh, we've we've got a game that we're gonna play here. Maddie is going to spring a game on us here in a minute that me and Craig have zero idea about. So there's no way that ends badly. But first, there's a couple couple things I wanted to do real quick. Uh, Craig got a long message from Ku Ray, uh, and. Uh, he was talking about how he and his 12-year-old daughter, Abby, uh, were listening to our show on the way to training camp this weekend, heard episodes 59 and 60, really liked me, 
freaking out about Tom Brady or Tom Baby, I guess is what they call him. Uh, shout out to them because that is just so immensely cool that uh, that it's, a family is listening to us driving to training camp. <laughs> that means the world to all of us. Uh, yes. I, I know I speak for Craig and Maddie. That's so cool. Abby, if you ever want to ask questions on the show, you're getting bumped to the front of the line. So please feel free to ask anytime you want. Yes. That means so much that, that you uh, that you care about this show and that, uh, you know, it sounds like you had a good time at training camp getting to yes. get Patrick Mahomes uh, autograph. That's really awesome. If you ever want uh, to ask questions on the show, you've got a bump to the front of the line. Also really wanted to make sure we're going to ha- answer this question first because it's awesome and it's from the five-star reviews also, Maddie. I'm Deej. Who are you? Uh, it says, I love this po- podcast like it's my first board. Myself and so many of my friends are born and raised cheese fans living abroad, serving the army. Thank you so much for your service. Really mm-hmm. appreciate that. Y'all make uh, make us get that warm, tingly cheese football feeling every time we listen. Thank you guys so much. Whoever listens over there overseas, thank you so much for your service. Again, feel free to ask us questions front of the line. Uh and yeah. I think he asked a question with that too, didn't he? No, maybe no, he didn't. He didn't. He just, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to shout him out there. I want to make sure that we saluted them. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That really means a lot. That's so awesome. So, really, just want to make sure to shout all those people. I know that was a little bit long-winded, but I mean, it, it means a lot. It really does. It's Thank worth you it. all so much, Maddie. All that sentimentality is out of the way. Are you going to ruin it with this game? No, this is a great game. This is the training camp game. So this is for only people that have been to training camp, which is on this podcast right now as Kent and Craig. And essentially, I'm just going to ask you guys a series of questions, and there is a right and a wrong answer, and the answers are very open-ended, so I'm the judge and the jury here. But it's just going to be simple questions about a player that's most likely to do something after your experience at training camp. You use that information now. Somebody like Damian Williams wasn't there for Craig. So if I asked the running back most likely to score a touchdown first, and that's not a question, Craig could still say Damian Williams based on the other running backs not being good if he wanted to. <laughs> but I want you guys to really rely on what you've seen at training camp to answer these questions. Are you ready? Uh, All right, so go. you just what? want us to react on the couple days that we saw. So if somebody well, had you use, bad days. You can use your knowledge. Okay. You can use your team knowledge. Okay. But if you saw somebody really stand out, that might alter your answer to some of these gotcha. questions. We're going to start it. with Kent. The wide okay. receiver that is most likely to record the first two or more touchdown reception games, but this wide receiver can't have a double consonant in their first name. <laughs> or double vowel either. Sorry. Double vowel or consonant. Sorry. Oh, you're making me think way too much here. <laughs> Double consonant. Or vowel. Essentially, Tyreek and Sammy are off the table. So, basically, who's having a two-touchdown game first, Mikol or D-Rob? McColl has two vowels. So, D-Rob. I, I, think, I think it's D-Rob. Okay, okay, fine. Demarcus Robinson, this is going off so, so well so fast. All right, next question, I guess. Kent, you're still leading off because you struggled. The running back most likely to have the most receptions in the first half of the season. Ooh. It's Damian Williams. Took Dur- it. Darrell. Darrell Williams. No, okay. Craig's Ooh, wrong. Big rail shot out. Okay. <laughs> why is he wrong? No, you can tell us why he's wrong. You guys can banter this Listen, first half. Darrell this looked great. D- Honestly, Darrell looked better than Carlos Hyde did. 
And if Damian Williams misses some time, he's right now not practicing with the team. He's got a hamstring injury. I agree if he's there, he's the number one guy. He's going to catch the most passes. If he misses any time at the beginning of the season, I think Daryl the Barrel is going to show up in a bigger way than Carlos Hyde, and we're going to see him on the field more. You and Darwin's, Darwin's a rookie. Nobody went with Darwin. No, Darwin's a rookie. Nobody went first with half. First half of the season, he's a rookie, and he doesn't like to play rookie running backs. Yeah, I like Daryl the Barrel Williams, but... I really wish this nickname wouldn't stick. It's going to stick. Everyone, please flood Maddie's timeline with Barrel references after this show. At Chief in Carolina. Give him a follow, too. Uh, you just picked the least dynamic pass catcher in the group to lead the team in catches the first half of the season. I don't think he picked Carlos Hyde, and I'm a Carlos Hyde fan, but I think he's the least dynamic. Carlos Hyde dropped five passes the two days I was there. I didn't see Carlos Hyde drop five passes, so maybe that's where the perception is, but Daryl is... That seems All right, moving on. You're cut off. Bob Barker in this. (laughs) The defensive end most likely to record five-plus sacks this season that doesn't have an R in their last name. Oh, my God. Why are you making us think so much? Okay, which defensive end is most likely to have five plus sacks? Can't go ahead and answer Frank Clark. Fun game. No, think about it. Can you find a different qualifier besides letters in the last names? Yeah, to spell I got it. Ogba. Hey, it's Chris Jones. Next. Oh, <laughs> uh, the answer is uh, it's. I don't feel good about any of them. None of them are getting five. That's fine. Most likely. Most likely. Fine. Agba. YOLO. Thank you. All right. Craig is going first now. The cornerback to first record two interceptions on the year that doesn't have an A in their last name. Why are you doing this? (laughs) Because I'm making you think. Kendall Fuller. Point of the game. Kendall Fuller, just because you'll have the most opportunities. Yep. Smart answer. But is it the right answer? No, but Kendall Fuller. (laughs) Not. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's the right answer. Because Mark Fields isn't making the team. Yeah, that's true. No Herb Miller love around these parts? No. Zero. Herb, Herb Miller did I, did very little for me. Craig, you're still up. The linebacker most likely to record a 10-tackle, one-sack, one-interception game that is not Anthony Hitchens. Thank God you didn't make us think. Uh, Darren Lee. Reggie Ragland. No. Maybe. Raglan's picking off everybody now. He is right. picking Brady off everyone. Brady in the end zone. Mahomes in the end zone. Just don't throw near Re- Reggie in the end zone. Guaranteed. Yeah. Maybe Reggie six. can well, play corner. Maybe. All right, we're moving on to the lightning round. Right now I have Craig ahead three to two. <laughs> How many of these questions okay. are there? That was it for the real round. Okay. Now this is the lightning round. Okay. These are quick. These are boom, boom, boom. You just get to play your name and move on. Okay. Kent, player most likely to be traded for a cornerback. Uh, Demarcus Robinson. Ooh, Craig. Demarcus, uh, Demarcus Robinson, same thing. Oh, come yeah, on. Lame. I know. Player most likely to be found at a bar past the curfew. Craig, you're up first. Travis Kelsey. Uh, Bashad Breland. Ooh, I like that. Kent ties it up. This is the last question <laughs> for all the marbles. The player most likely to grow a playoff beard better than Craig's. Patrick Mahomes. Because everything he does is magic. Uh, it that that's the correct answer, 
but I mean, never mind. Game over. You guys are pandering to the audience too much because that is Patrick Mahomes is not growing a beard better than Craig Stout. Travis Kelsey is the answer, though. Kent wins the game. That is the first ever <sighs> rendition of the training camp game. Kent is now flexing uh, on the live stream, flexing on the live stream, and yeah. so we can move on to uh, the rest of the show. Maddie, couple constructive notes here. Never <laughs> make a spell again. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. Uh, shall we get, in, shall we get into the people's questions? Let's get into the people's questions, and we're going to start with this one. It's from mmouse187, and it is from the five-star reviews. Uh, I love the ran on Patrick LeVon Mahomes getting ranked at only number four in the top 100 players. I felt the same way. Thank you. I'm still... Not, I'm still salty about the dumbest thing ever. Uh, it's been cornerback panic time for the last 16 months. At what point is it acceptable to resign David Emerson uh, or to resign David Emerson? Never. I'll answer that one just very quickly. It is never time. The bonus question is, if Tremont Smith is allowed to switch to running back, can Darwin Thompson take a stab at corner? I'm freaking out a little bit, fellas. Craig. Let's let's get the let's get the transition from uh, corner or from running back to quarterback for Darwin started. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Darwin's small and stubby armed, and yeah, he's he's got fluid hips. But no, guys, that stop trying to move corners to running back and running backs to corners. Just stop. Just no. Okay. Uh, let's let's start moving on to some of the mailbag questions from Twitter. Chiefs Anglin ninety five asks, "What are you looking forward to seeing in the first preseason game?" I'm just going to answer this real quick. That's what the entire episode will be on Friday. We are going to basically do a big game preview for you, so be on the lookout for that next week. Okay, Rise of Mahomes asks, "The projected cornerback starters at this point, Matthew." I mean, I think it's still the same three guys that we thought going into the year. And for the most part, I don't think that Kendall Fuller being relegated to just the slot corner should affect anyone's opinion on it. The difference between Kendall Fuller and Bashad Vreeland or Traverius Ward on the outside is pretty negligible, especially for the amount of snaps they're going to spend there. So in case I didn't make it clear, Traverius Ward, Bashad Vreeland on the outside, Kendall Fuller in the slot, I don't feel great about it. I don't think that's a good one, two, or three corner personally but that's kind of where the Chiefs are left right now. It's DeMontre Wade and Herb Miller getting run with the twos behind these guys. Neither one of those guys is pushing Bashad Breland, who looks fine. Uh, he doesn't look great. He looks fine out there. And Charvarius Ward, who looks like a press man corner that's having to play zone. If they can upgrade his spot, I think that that lineup, and then all of a sudden you can have Charvarius Ward pushing those guys a little bit. I think that's a better lineup. Then we can start talking about swapping some starters. But right now, it's yeah, it's like Maddie said, Charvarius and Breland on the outside, and uh, Kendall Fuller on the in the slot. Here's a quick question Maddie? for you, Craig. Hold on one second. Where would you rank the performance from cornerbacks that you saw this year of Breland and Ward to last year of that of Nelson and Amerson's? Because you've Ugh. been both years. So I think you're the only one of us so far that has seen both years with pads on now. Ugh. Uh, I still think... Oh, man. Because just at camp. Because last year at camp, I thought Amerson looked pretty rough. Right. I didn't uh, that's think what that I was going to say. Bad I... at all. Like, Nelson was fine 100%. I thought right. at camp, Amerson looked pretty rough. So where would you kind of put I think I think Ward's done more than Amerson did, at least in the couple days that I was there. 
So, uh, and Ward at least has has length, has a ceiling. Uh, Emerson, you pretty much knew what you were getting. He was he was a one year dude. So I I feel better this year about last year. Although Kendall Fuller looked better last year than he does this year. So just because he smiled at you, he did smile at me. Maddie, you're getting dunked on for your game in the in the live stream right now because you complained about it the whole time. <laughs> Because we didn't know how to spell, uh, Nate CH four seventy. Yes, Nate CH four seventy nine on a scale of Steven Nelson to David Emerson. Yeah. How concer- concerned should we be about Kendall Fuller, Craig? Listen, I got to see Kendall Fuller against wide receivers that aren't Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins a little more before I start panicking. We saw him get beat by Felton Davis and Jamal Custis. That wasn't good. Like, that was what really raised my eyebrows about him. He doesn't look good. Like, I don't really see him ever making good plays out on the field. We don't see any highlights. We don't really hear anything about him. I'm hoping it's just picking up the scheme, getting more comfortable in it. I want to see him against guys that aren't, like, potentially elite receivers before I start getting concerned I would say leaning a little more towards Emerson right now, which is a little scary, but that's that's kind of where I am. I need to see him have some good days at camp, hear about him having some good days at camp, or look good in a preseason game before I start really kind of bumping him up the ladder again. So the interesting part for me is this scale spans from like really concerned to still pretty concerned is like the best option. So I'm going to go with Steven Nelson. I actually think, I think it's fair. Steven Nelson's like level of play is a pretty good comp for the low end of Kendall Fuller. And it sounds like, just from people that have been there, that Kendall Fuller might be playing close to what his low end potential is right now. It's like Kendall Fuller, at his worst, is a Steven Nelson-esque cornerback that simply means he can be out there on the field. He belongs on the field. He's not going to be the problem with your defense but he's also not going to be a guy that's going to make a difference or a guy that you feel particularly confident in to make big plays for you. And if that's what Kendall Fuller, your best cornerback by a pretty decent margins giving you, or at least what everybody thought coming into the year, that's a huge problem. So either way you slice it, I don't think it's good. What we've heard from Kendall Fuller so far. It is also just, yeah. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? say It's just also just camp. You got to be careful here. It is just training camp so far. Everything can change. We all remember fred williams the goat that never was (laughs) right and i we have some we have more of those kind of questions here later our guy ron cop asked it so uh no i i i'm a little bit concerned about kendall fuller honestly he wasn't as bad when i watched i mean he still wasn't good don't get me wrong but like i think he's had worse days than when i was out there so um i want to get eyes on him during the preseason let's see a little bit more you just wish that you saw some some consistency some flash plays from some of these guys to give you a little bit of hope and i just don't have it right now that doesn't mean i'm not going to get it but like right now i just wish i saw a little bit more from the entire cornerback group in general the wazzy asks i love this question with spags here and the excitement building for the defense what happened with the new york giants was it age talent uh what changes uh here well, so I think what you kind of saw with the Giants is the first year that Spagnuolo got there, the defense struggled a little bit as they were putting in a new system. They were adapting to a team that didn't have that much defensive talent. And then as they went to build it through free agency and the draft, it got significantly better the following year there in 2016. Very good year. 
They kind of carried that offense that struggled with Eli Manning. Then the next year it kind of fell apart again with iffy head coaching. Steve Spagnuolo had to become an interim head coach at some point in time. A very key part of their defense is Landon Collins, and he's playing a lot of that year dinged up, injured. He wasn't near as effective as he was the year before, and they were very good. So you just kind of had a culmination of things with some injuries. You had some older vets that started to fall off a little bit. You had a cycling room of linebackers that never once had the right healthy guys to start the season that could play in any given game. So it's just a little bit of bad luck. But I think at the end of the day, with Spags, it's a defense that's designed very much about guys doing their job. You have to follow an assignment. You're going to have a lot of different assignments based on the play call, but you have to know them. And if you have guys that aren't buying in, that aren't able to do it from a mental standpoint, it's just simply not going to work. And on just to kind of tag up with that, they were still paying Eli Manning a lot of money. A lot of money. They couldn't go out and be as aggressive in free agency, as aggressive in the draft, trying to build around a young quarterback like Brett Veach, Andy Reid, and Steve Spagnuolo have had the ability to do this offseason. It feels like they that that year, the first year that Spagnuolo was there, while they were still kind of cycling up towards the scheme and everything like that it took them that extra year to really build it i feel like they're going to skip that and that we're going to start to see a little more impact out of you know out of the linebackers out of the defensive line they they kind of built it already so short of the cornerbacks i think he's going to have much better talent than he did there at new york and i think he's going to be able to create a little more havoc with the fronts that he can run with that defensive line also, I don't. I just to tag on to everything these guys already said. The time away is going to help. Uh, the staff that he's brought in is going to help. It was reported, I believe, recently that Spags spent some of his time really analyzing college tape. Yeah, Brian Baldinger said it. I believe he spent some time away looking at the college game, analyzing the college game. He brought in a really quality staff that has some of those college roots as well as Brendan Daly to help him. Um, get the D-line right. Like that's Those are some real positive things there for this group, and I think they could pay off. I think you know a culmination of those little things, uh, a little time to, to step away, refresh, get an idea of what's out there. I think, I think we'll see some good things here. Corey Peter asks, I like this question too, is it reasonable to hope that our run D is improved enough that with our high-flying offense we can make teams more one-dimensional let our pass rush go nuts to cover up the weaknesses at cornerback. So the run defense is definitely going to be improved. The big thing here with what Steve Spagnuolo does, he goes not necessarily out of his way, but he puts his foot down. He's going to stop the run. If you're going to go out there with the heavy personnel and produce a heavy run attack, if you're going to try to run the ball at his defense, he's going to put out two 310-plus-pound defensive tackles He's going to put out two linebackers that are more of a middle linebacker skill set, and he's going to have these guys bang. And between the tackles, he's going to use a Sam linebacker. He's going to put out bigger, stronger players that excel at stopping the run. So you're not going to be able to just power run the ball down the Chiefs' throats. The issue comes in if you spread it out and still try to run, you can find creases to run against, and that's where you're kind of relying on specific players to make the plays. The thing is, the Chiefs now have the players in the front seven to make the plays, and if they can do that, if you can stop a spread rushing attack, you're going to set yourself up in second and longs, third and longs, and this defensive line should be like poised to have a huge impact on the passing game when they get in those situations. 
Let me tell you that when I watched nine on sevens this past week, and granted, nine on seven, the defense knows that they're running the ball. It's different. They get after it a lot quicker. Everybody's in their gaps. They're in the right spots. Guys are blowing stuff up off the edge. Alex Okafor and Frank Clark both looked excellent out there. So I think that just in general, we're going to be seeing a lot more second and eights, second and nines, third and six, seven, eight situations that are beneficial to the defense. And that's, yeah, that's going to help them tee off. That's going to force a lot of later developing routes to try and get to the sticks. That's going to help your corners a little bit too. I will say when they got into team, every time I watched the offense try and run, it was shut down almost immediately. So I I do think that this defense is already significantly better against the run. We'll see if it does result in those sort of longer down and distance situations. Brandon422 asks, how does this year's training camp compare to the previous one? Uh, I've seen, across the the defensive side of the ball, I've seen more of a pulse, (laughs) frankly. I think you saw and you were a little bit concerned about some of the things that you saw at training camp at times. Um, I think with the the (laughs) Mahomes looks like a completely different person, (laughs) which I hate saying. I hate saying it, but... A guy, I don't, he didn't look, he, the tr- the trigger wasn't as fast all the time last training camp. He looked like he was thinking a little bit. He put more balls at risk. Um, I don't think he's testing the offense any less than he was last year. I think he's just better. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy, the, uh, the energy is exceptional. Uh, the communication's high. Uh, they're not wasting any time specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Like it's a completely different environment. Uh, and there's might, might even be more talent there too. Like it's, it's, it's looking good. It's ridiculous to me. And I say this to people and people don't believe me. It's ridiculous to me. If you haven't been out there at camp, Patrick Mahomes is better. Unquestionably. He is 100% better. His decision-making, his timing, his touch, his everything like it, it's like watching a different person from the person that had a top three quarterback season ever last year and in a good way like these are all positive improvements that he made which we knew that he had room to grow but it looks like and granted camp you know you take everything with camp with a grain of salt but it looks like he fixed a lot of the little deficiencies that he had already it's 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 ridiculous like it's just confidence too yeah. like he just he knows he's he knows what he is now and he's just it's the it's 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 beautiful to watch and i know you keep saying like, take it with a grain of salt like with pat i'm kind of not <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry anyways please continue craig yeah my it's it's just a different level and he knows it like the confidence he knows it too and the fans know it it is obscene. I sat on the hill next to Bearcat and his darkness on that first day when there was an amoeba of screaming fans for Patrick Mahomes that just followed him around after practice. It's ridiculous the kind of reaction that he gets. I mean, you see positive reactions for Tyreek Hill, for Chris Jones, for Travis Kelsey, you know, those superstar type guys, but. It is a next-level thing. I've never seen 
anything like that at an NFL training camp, it's it's obscene. It's obscene the kind of love that he gets. I hope we keep him forever. Yeah, he's he's never gonna grow old. How has vocal We're gonna take leader a break. Justin Hamilton been? Vocal leader Justin Hamilton been? Yeah. Has he, oh, he, there's some shade he, there. He's been getting some reps. He's been getting some reps. Justin, Justin Hamilton. Looks I did not right. notice him once. Well, no, I, I mean, I've been at mean on the field. I mean, who's he having to pump up to play hard? Nobody needs to be Nobody pumped just... up to play hard. Frank Clark will make sure that you are pumped up to play hard. That there, and Patrick, yeah, and Patrick Mahomes. It, they ain't nobody that's slacking out there. All right, we are going to take a break. We'll be back with more of your questions after this. It's time to answer some questions from the Gmail account. You can find us at apnerdsquad at gmail.com. We'll start with KU Ray. Asks, Maddie, with uh, with last year's numbers between Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, what are the odds of them repeating that feat this year, and how many more years to come can they repeat that feat? They're more than capable of repeating or even surpassing the numbers they put up last year. I just don't think they'll have to, which is going to make it hard for everybody to kind of match those numbers. The talent or the ability to do so is going to be there. Just when you don't have to score 40 points to beat every competent team you face, you're not going to score 40 points to beat every competent team you face. I would project Kelsey's. My prediction would be Kelsey's going to go down the most from last year. I just think you're going to see a lot more Sammy Watkins, more Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson are going to eat into his stats a little bit more than vice versa. Mahomes is still going to have an MVP caliber year. It just It's going to be hard to match what he did last year numbers-wise with the defense improving. And Tyree Kill, by all accounts, seems as impressive as ever. So I might not be too surprised if he comes close to matching his numbers from last year, even though the offense as a whole might put up a little bit less points and yards per game. Schmitty713 asks us, with Tremont Smith moving on offense, looks as if the Chiefs are trying everything to keep him on the roster, presumably for his return skills. I think that's a good take, Schmitty. Uh, how bad does that make the draft pick of McCole Hardman look? I don't know if it really makes McCole Hardman look like uh, like a bad pick necessarily. I don't think that's really what this is saying. Now, that being said, McCole Hardman has looked rough catching punts, catching kicks. Uh, the, the times I've seen him, it's looked like it's been pretty inconsistent. Craig, real quick. He looked a little bit inconsistent when you were there too. Is that correct? Day one, uh, day two, they stopped using they used the jugs at the beginning of practice and then actually had Cole quick kicking him some punts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked much better day two. I, I wanted to see him actually catching physical punts, not jugs machine. He looked much better, but he did have a rough first day. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know if it's really, I mean, I know that there's, there's some concern there. Uh, and I think it's fair if you're concerned about that aspect of it, but I don't think it's a direct response to me, Cole Hardman, as a kick returner. And if they were drafting him in the second round as a kick returner, I would lose my mind anyway. <laughs> uh, Matt in Cincinnati emails in, love the podcast. The Chiefs scored 35.3 points per game and gave up 26.3 points per game last year. What are your predictions for those numbers this upcoming season? Uh, more interested in how much that D can improve. Middle of the road was around 22.5 last year, Craig. I'm going to say the offense scores, let's see, 35.3. I'm going to say 34.8 because I'm a hater. Such a hater. 
Then I'm going to say the defense is right around like 23 and a half for that. that they'll, they'll be they'll be like maybe three points per game better on defense and right about where they were on offense last year. I really like that. That's a that's a that's a good number there, Craig. All right, back to the Twitter mailbag. Chiefs in D.C. What's the reasonable ceiling I can hope for Tano Passanio? What are the good signs I should be looking for in the preseason game other than sacks, Matthew? But I'm trying to make it fast here. Working backwards to the, what you're looking for in the preseason games, when I'm looking for a pass rusher and their progression through just their ranks as they're coming up, the first thing you want to see is them beating bad players. You want to see Tano Passanio beating bad offensive tackles for pressures, not just sacks, but you want to see him giving a bad offensive tackle just the worst game of his life. So when he's playing the second and third team, you want to see him looking like he should be a starter. When he starts rotating in against the early second teamers or even at the first team guys, you just want to see him getting the occasional pressure. He doesn't have to be dominant every single rep, but you do want to see him win from time to time against good players and then you just hope as his career goes on, he builds that into consistency. That's kind of where we finally got with D Ford this last year as he turned in these flashes of brilliance against good players into consistent pressures all year long. So for K-Pass, you just want to see him looking like he is significantly better than bad offensive tackles across from him. If that's the case, then he has a spot on the team to rotate in as the year goes along. But if he's just occasionally beating a third string tackle, there's no reason to get your hopes up anymore. That's what we've seen the last few years. If that's all that's happening still, you can't keep riding on that occasional flash against a bad player. And I know that Tano Passino is getting run with the once right now. And it's in a NASCAR package, sometimes in a very large nickel with uh, Chris Jones and Alex Okafor out. Um, let me tell you this. Tano Passino doesn't necessarily make that big of an impact when he's in those situations. Like Emmanuel Ogba gets about the same run with the ones and Emmanuel Ogba, you know, makes plays against the run, makes plays against the pass. You know, those other defensive ends do it as well. Tano Passino just needs to show up and be able to be a consistent defender in those types of situations. He was getting a little bit washed in the run game with the second team. Now, against one-on-ones, he's got a couple flashes. He's got an explosive first step. He's got length to keep guys off of him, but it's not a consistent thing. And I know everybody wants to talk up Tano because everybody loves Tano and wants him to work out. I do too, but I'm seeing a guy that they're rotating in with the ones the same sort of way that they're rotating. Guys like Agba, guys like Breland Speaks, and he's not really having that kind of impact to get excited about. So really, I think that people are just excited that he's getting some early run with that. That'll just be something to monitor as the preseason goes along. If he doesn't perform, he's not going to continue to get that run. When you mentioned, uh, you know, looking good against the run, like, or, you know, I, I want to see that. Like, cause if he's getting washed in, in the run game, I want to see some growth there in that aspect that he's holding his own, that he can be trusted there. One thing about Tano lining up, early it could just be that he knows he he has a better grasp on what they want done maybe from not from a technical standpoint completely but i think you know tano that he's been lauded as being a smart kid that knows Mm -hmm. what he's doing uh that can if it once guys gets get caught up with more talent maybe that's why we've seen some of the same things that we've seen 
with Tana where we buy into it early and then late people catch up. So uh, if people start catching up with him again, then I think that tells you all you need to know about Tana Passanio. Mike Orozco asks, how is Colin Saunders looking and how is his game translating in practice so far? Colin Saunders looks good. Colin Saunders is working with the twos right now. He's he's doing some damage. He shows a very quick first step. He's super agile, and one-on-ones he shows up all the time. You know, that's a spot where he's really going to shine, you know, working against a single guy, not getting help from, you know, another guy, and not necessarily having to stay in a specific rush lane there. But he does have some technical things that he needs to work on. Brenda Daly gives him some extra reps. Frank Clark gives him some extra reps. And he asks a lot of questions. That's a good thing. Like, you can hear Brenda Daly actually saying things to him like, Good, thank you for asking me that. You know, like being very animated about his willingness to learn. I don't know that we're going to see a huge amount of him early just based on what we've seen. But he's firmly entrenched at with the second team. You know, he's going to be a guy going forward that's going to make this team and make it better, but he's still just kind of learning the ropes with this step up in competition right now. Yeah, and I haven't been to camp yet, but I thought coming into the league that Colin Saunders is going to need a little bit of time to adjust, not only to the level of competition jump, but just his game needs some work. It was very loose. There's a lot of physical, just raw talent that he has, but his technique's a little loose. It's a little wild. There's a lot of upright play for a guy that does have natural leverage. It just, I would describe his plays a little wild and a little sloppy at times. So he needs some time to fix all that. He's got to tighten everything up, move just a little bit quicker mentally. And then you're going to start to see him probably get a few more reps in when the games actually matter. Like I was just talking about with Tano, it's time that you want to see Colin Saunders start to flash against better competition right now. He doesn't need to be consistent yet. You wouldn't expect a rookie from a small school to be consistent right now, but if you just want to see some flashes of him during this preseason to let you know that there is that upside at this level in the NFL. And frankly, I'm a little bit more I'm a lot more confident in in Colin Saunders' developmental arc than I am Tano's at this point. Uh, I think the the raw traits that that Colin Saunders possesses are things that I think Steve Spagnuolo can really work well with with that with the movement skills with the uh, ability to stay on the uh, off the ground, I think he's got really good balance. Um, I, I think there's a lot of positive things with him there. I didn't get to see much of him uh, because they were playing in uh, in just helmets, so there wasn't a ton you could take away from that group when I was there. But he's definitely one of the guys that I'm most interested in watching uh, here for the uh, for the preseason games. Kay Gumminger asks, with the AP Lab not all that excited about a fantasy league, who says that? I'm a champion over here. Uh, are you guys uh, going to open it up with us fans to make it more competitive? I, I think I one of the things I think we are going to try to do this year is an AP Laboratory uh, f- uh, draft, fantasy fantasy draft, fantasy league. So be on the look for be on the lookout for that. We'll probably make some kind of announcement here later down the road. Uh, we should do some kind of pick them. I don't want to do a fantasy league with everybody, but a pick them. Mm-hmm. No, we're doing a fantasy kind of league. We're doing a fantasy <laughs> league, Maddie. It's too much effort. No, oh, stop it. See, look at... Okay, so I'm going to reread the question. With Maddie not all that excited about a fantasy <laughs> league... Listen, fan- no. I've learned very quickly in my recent years. When I was a child, when I was a teenager, I could crush fantasy football leagues because you just pick a guy that had a bunch of good stats the year before 
as I've gotten attempting to get better at evaluating actual good players, it so does not translate to fantasy football whatsoever. Really? Who won? You say when you were a teenager, so last year? Hey, Greg, I lost last year. I I finished second to last last year, actually. (laughs) So. Maybe you should ago. just get better at it. Maybe maybe I should light a fire under you. Austin, I'm just going to auto-draft. I'm pretty sure that somebody auto-drafted and finished like third, so that tells you all you need to know about fantasy football. Austin Falk asks, <laughs> over or under, Mahomes throwing five no-look passes, Matthew? In the On the year? Yeah. And one half, a game, five times wow. low. I'm going to go with the hard over. Hard, hard over Austin. It's happening a lot, and they're going to highlight every single one of them. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, he's going to hit. The, he's going to hit the no. He's going to hit the five probably in week five, maybe week <laughs> four. Over under Marcus Mariota throwing one no look pass. A half. Everyone's. It's it's a half because they're going to call it a no look pass, even though it wasn't a no look pass. I think every throw from Marcus Mariota has been a no look pass at this point. Because I know shuts it's his a, eyes. I know every every <laughs> throw Ryan Fitzpatrick throws is a no look because he's just you. throwing it up and praying, and it worked for half a season last year. Can't 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 take a step back away from the QB slander. We don't want another Tom Brady situation on our hands here. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. I would love to hear Kent just rant and just try to destroy Ryan Fitzpatrick and just see the mobs of people that come after him. I think more people would take opposition against Kent for going after Fitz than they would Tom Brady. I've got some very pent-up Ryan Fitzpatrick slander. from people try People tried to tell me he was good like four years ago, and they were so wrong it drove me nuts, and I just got to dunk on him while, while the Chiefs picked him off to the tune of like six interceptions when he came in with the Jets, and everybody – before that game was like, Ryan Fitzpatrick's good No, he's not. He's a bum. Which is why halfway through the season, he got benched because he's cheeks. Are you good? Are you good? You got that off your chest? Can we move on from this horrible take? Yeah, this is of Ryan Fitzpatrick hate. A horrible take. <laughs> Maddie, do not spin him up. Next question. Jared, Jared Orksog asks, the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment so far in training camp, Craig. Okay. Uh, my biggest surprise, I, I think anybody who's listened to the podcast so far will know what my two are. My biggest surprise is McCole Hardman because I expected him to be a very raw player based on the film that we watched, based on the OTA stuff that we heard, based on everything that we heard basically about Hardman coming up to camp before they put the pads on was always tinged with a little bit of, yeah, but sort of thing. Like, he wasn't overperforming or anything like that. He looks like a functional receiver on the field. I think that he's going to be an addition to this offense that's bigger than maybe I thought before, you know, going and seeing him in camp. And then my disappointment is Kendall Fuller. Guys, Kendall Fuller looks bad. He looks real bad, and I want him to look good because I really like Kendall Fuller, and I really want him to succeed in this zone scheme. I think he can. I just, I, I just don't see it on the field right now. So the biggest surprise for me is how long Dan Sorensen has been able to hold on to the starting safety job. 
And I understand that if you're a rookie like Juan Thornhill is, you have to go earn it. You have to go take the job away from Dan Sorensen. And the Chiefs as an organization or as a coaching staff seem to like Dan Sorensen. And his best spot, in my opinion, is playing deep in a scheme more similar to what Steve Spagnuolo is going to run for him. It's just the talent difference between Sorensen and Juan Thornhill is massive. And it really sounds like Juan Thornhill has picked up the defense and kind of just catching on to the NFL at a quick rate. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of surprised that Sorensen still is keeping that job. And it sounds like it's coming close to an end, but he put up a good fight a lot better than I thought he would have. My biggest disappointment so far, I think has been, I've only heard a couple people talk about it, but it doesn't sound like Austin Ryder's having a particularly good camp. Not that he's been bad but he hasn't been very good. Like he hasn't stood out in a good way. And I just think that that's a position that we thought that we were going to be okay at after the draft went by and the chiefs didn't seem overly concerned with it. But if he can't play to the level he did in a small sample size last year, that could end up being a pretty big problem. I, I hate to say like, I hate to duplicate answers, but like McColl is definitely my biggest surprise and i'm very cautiously optimistic i'm cautiously optimistic that there's that he's gonna have a, a productive season maybe he gets to that four or five hundred yard range like i i'm kind of buying a little bit just because i mean teams if i think if teams force him to win off the line of scrimmage a lot um if you know if 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 that doesn't grow and develop yeah maybe you know this is all just for not but like he's had some opportunities to get some free releases they can do some stuff to help him get free releases and let him run down the field i'm kind of cautiously optimistic about that uh my dip my biggest disappointment is that maddie is supporting ryan fitzpatrick no um honestly my biggest disappointment is me and the rest of america kent (laughs) my biggest disappointment is that it doesn't seem like Mark Fields has earned the trust of this coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dude is insanely talented. He's talented enough to be on this football team, and it's not even close. You see him making all these plays. He's probably made the most plays of the cornerback position, a, t- a position that this team is desperate to to uh, to get players that can contribute that can help this team get better and he's running with the third team that's a giant massive red flag and the questions haven't been answered about him to this point if we don't see him climbing up the depth chart soon i'm extremely disappointed uh okay ron cop asks uh and this is our guy make sure you're following ron cop on twitter Uh, He is a new writer on Arrowhead Pride. He's doing some great stuff. He's got a great article coming. Uh, I'm not trying to tease his own article. Favorite past Chiefs preseason standouts. Guys that didn't end up being much but were exciting. Uh, I've got to start with my guy. Pour one out for Arian Springs. Okay, hang on. (laughs) He said standouts. Guys, he said standouts. Like players that were good. He was elite. He was God. my standout. He was my standout, Matthew. This is disgusting. Arian Springs was getting dudes lined up. He knew this play- he knew the playbook better than Bob Sutton. <laughs> but he was out there and somehow was still getting out of everyone lined up, communicating at a high level, making plays, making plays on the ball. He did? Yes, he did. One? You you're absolutely right he did. I, I gift up he made one. Plenty. 
I yeah. Maybe two. Maybe even two, Maddie. Pour one out for Arian Springs. My guy that was a preseason standout that really didn't turn into much anything is Daddy Nicholas. <laughs> My goodness, you want to talk about a guy that destroyed some third team reps. He My stood guy. Out. My guy, Daddy Nicholas, stood out and then was... Your daddy? My, yeah. No, not my daddy. His daddy, Every, Everybody's daddy. Uh, he, uh, he looked good, and then he got hurt, and then everybody put a whole lot of stock into Daddy Nicholas being a starting defensive end, starting outside linebacker, which he was not, and then he was promptly uh, injury settlement or released. I can't remember which one of the two, but did not make this team and has kind of bounced around since then. Mine's from the dark period of 2015 when the Chiefs had exactly one wide receiver worth mentioning in Jeremy Macklin. The preseason, we our hopes were kept alive with the one, the only, Fred Williams. <laughs> to the tune of 15 catches, 167 yards, and three touchdowns in the preseason – only to get beat out for a roster spot by Frankie Hammond Jr. of all people. <sighs> then Fred Williams went on to do nothing in the NFL. But that was a historic preseason run for a team that needed wide receiver help almost as bad as this team needs cornerback help. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Chief DG asks... Which young player actually developing into their maximum potential would make you the most excited besides Patrick Mahomes because he's a perfect human being? Uh, for me, K-Pass putting everything together could be terrifying. So here's kind of the issue I run into when I kind of think about maximum potential is if you're just talking physical potential, like what they can do with their body, then I think somebody like McCall Hardman or just any athletic player, kind of mm -hmm. you want to put the mark at the most potential. But at the same point in time, football's played in the head too. Like it's a mental game just as much. You got to show me that you can do some stuff mentally before I'm going to say that you can do anything or everything on the field. So with that said, I'm going to say Darren Lee because I have seen flashes of him being able to make any play, both physically and mentally. So if you somehow get him to develop, like to understand at the football at the same level as Luke Keekley, with his athleticism and just what he can do flying all over the field, I think that would add a complete new element to this Chiefs defense that they don't have anything like right now. I mean, it's a long stretch, but other guys like K-Pass or some other people that might get mentioned here in a second, I think they have other players that can already fill those roles. Yeah, I and I'm going to take this a little different way just because I think if they hit on him, then it offers them a little bit of versatility. Uh, Breland Speaks. And also, Ooh. I want to talk a little bit about Breland Speaks. Let me tell you something. Breland Speaks can rush from the inside. Breland Speaks should be lined up inside 100% of the time. Breland Speaks look good. Good. I will even say he looked good lining up from the inside. Yet, he keeps getting trotted out as a defensive end. Guys, he can't do anything from the outside. We called him a stand-up five-tech last year. He is a hand-down one-tech. Like, just put him in his natural <laughs> spot. Let him be. Let him be him. I, I think if he hits, if he hits his potential, he can be a four to five sack guy on the inside and that is a lot for his you know for that defense that adds a lot when you've got a chris jones 
Okafor, Frank Clark. It just gives you a little more oomph there on the inside, and he's big enough to stop the run. I, I'm going to go with Breland there. So, Mikol's a good idea. I, I thought about maybe Charvarius, but like I still think like from a physical limitations perspective, like I don't know if he's ever going to be able to change directions at a high enough level that you know, like I mean, we can't only make expect a jump so big. So, how about this one, fellas? Juan Thornhill. Oh, nah, he's hitting his potential. Yes, 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 yes. Oh wow. Oh yeah, I feel pretty so confident. You, I, no, I, I, I think, I think if Juan Thornhill, I think Juan Thornhill's ceiling is the roof mm-hmm. per Michael Jordan. Like I think he could be an elite free safety. I think that's how high his ceiling is. If he hit his ceiling, you're getting, you know, a insane ball protect ball production from the free safety position. I think that would be uh, a huge jump and bolster uh, this, this secondary, uh, that, that's my guy. Uh, he, he, he might, he might come close anyway. So maybe I'm just, even just too pessimistic like right I, now. I like it. I like it. But he looks great, guys. I, he looks so great. I'm, I'm so hyped about him. Uh, I, I we've. I mean, you, you. If you listen to this show, you know how high we were. Mm-hmm. If, if they'd taken him at 29, mm-hmm. we would have been very happy. Uh, so we we are Juan Thornhill fans, and we always have. I'm just happy here. nobody picked Arian Springs for this segment too. Since we just put him into <laughs> any random question, even though he doesn't fit the criteria. If, if he was on the team, we would. Will Amos one last question tonight asks, Craig said that on Saturday the defense looked really good in red zone situations. Is there a possibility that this, these fen- this defense just gives up a ton of yards in between the 20s but is able to operate on a bend but don't break basis? I don't think so. Like I don't think that's what Spagnolo is going to do this year. We're not going to see... They may give up a lot of yards, but it'll be in chunk plays. It's not going to be the the quote-unquote Bill Belichick style. Bill gets credited with that, even though it's not always the case. It's going to be a situation where Spagnuolo is going to try and press the issue. He's going to try and set up uh, long and down and distance situations, and he's going to blitz the hell out of the offense, which is going to either result in big stops or big plays for the offense. One of either there. So I think that there's going to be plenty of yardage to go around. And I think that there might be plenty of touchdowns to go around just as well as him coming up with a lot of key stops. I don't see a bend but don't break defense out of this at all. That being said, they did look really good in the red zone. So, eh. Yeah, I'm with Craig there, and I'm glad he answered the way he did because I didn't want to go directly against him on this, but <laughs> I don't see Steve Spagnuolo going with a bend, don't break. Like That's not his way of running defense. From what I've seen, he's not calling a defense to play it safe. He's more than willing to get beat on a blown coverage or a cornerback just getting beat over the top without really a safety net of any kind to attempt to get pressure or to set himself up to get a turnover or a big sack or pressure, anything like that. He's very aggressive. He's going to bring it. He's not afraid, like I said, to give up that big chunk play. Now, I can see how when they get into the red zone, when that field gets reduced, how there is that kind of extra defender in terms of the end zone line in the back, how you can have a better kind of red zone defense than you do between the 20s, but there is in no way, shape, or form a plan to be passive between the 20s and wait until a team gets into the red zone to hold them to a field goal. Uh, 
I agree with everything you guys have said. Uh, I don't think it's going to necessarily be a bend but don't break kind of mentality. I'm going to add an interesting caveat here because uh, reading through, I haven't been at every practice, but reading through some of the situational stuff that has been happening. Craig, did you see any situational kind of stuff this, this weekend? Uh, a little bit. They were working on some third and long situations a little bit. That's, that's about the only situational okay. stuff I saw. So I saw some two-minute. I heard they did some red zone work. And guess what? It sounds like the defense had a lot of success mm-hmm. in a lot of the situational football stuff. When I was there, the defense won the two-minute drill three-zip. So it, it sounds like they've done some good stuff in the red zone work too. I think it's it sounds like you know Spags has done some good stuff here with the situational football stuff. So that's something to keep an eye on because – if they're able to win on third downs, if they're win, able to kind of win with some of the situational football, like it goes a long way in winning football games in January. Yeah, it's not a bend. So that's something to keep. It's in not eye. a bend, don't break strategy. It's kind of a break or break them strategy because he's either going to get yeah. beat by a huge play Ooh, or he's going to stop them dead it. in their tracks. Yeah, I mean that's what the defense is. So I can fully understand yes. how situationally they would show up very well especially if they're working on those situations in practice. And they very well might in games too, especially third and long, second and mm-hmm. longs. But there's not going to be this soft-shelled coverage just allowing everything underneath from Steve Spagnuolo. It's just not going to happen. No. 100% agree. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back later in the week with a game preview for Chiefs versus Bengals. Catch you later.